we're an organization that wants everybody to be a part of our team. You know, we want everybody under the umbrella, whether you're working two days a year doing theater or 200 days a year doing theater. So we, we want to bring everybody in. It's all about the art, you know, if we're, if we're promoting the art and getting the art done, uh, then it keeps the industry going, you know, keeps us going. I just love building and creating and, and being a part of that. Hello, and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by Harlequin Floors, the world leader in floors, stage systems, and studio equipment for the performing arts. Our podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. And my name is Anna Aguilera. Chad Phillips is joining us to talk about the IATSE, the Entertainment Workers Union in the United States and Canada. Chad Phillips is a native from New York State. He holds a BFA from SUNY Fredonia and an MFA from the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Chad has been a member of the EARTC since 2006 and since 2015 he serves as the local 311 president. Chad has been working for PRG Scenic Technologies since 2007. Beside his set fabrication work, he also has experience with props, electrics, lighting design, set design and painting. Chad, welcome to the show. Oh man, it's such a pleasure to be here and finally meet you guys. Ah, it's very exciting to talk to you about um, your work and also the union. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up working uh, PRG and, and getting into scenic design and or scenic fabrication and all the things you've been doing in the arts. Well, I, I've been involved in theatre since uh, you know, uh, elementary school, you know, like everybody else was in their, uh, their school play and played the, the piece of broccoli or, or whatever it was. Uh, I, I followed that up with, uh, you know, more stellar roles in middle school and high school and convinced myself that uh, nothing would be better in the world than to just sing and dance and uh, be an actor out on the stage and do theater for the rest of my life. Uh, so I went to SUNY Fredonia thinking that that's what was going to happen and uh, did that for a year. And it quickly realized that, nah, nah, that's not really what I want to do. You know, the life of an actor, whew, that's tough. They they brought in some uh, visiting artists that really kind of talked about how all that worked. And uh, so reevaluated things and thought, well, you know, what else in this whole theater thing can I can I do? And uh, I had a background in, in construction. Uh, I really loved the scene shop. Uh, I loved working backstage and all the things we had to do there. So I shifted my focus to uh, lighting design and technical direction. And uh, one of those lucky individuals that has been able to to work in the technical side of theater for the whole rest of my life. You know, here I am 43 and I've just followed that on through. Uh, so I consider myself just incredibly blessed to have never had to mow lawns or drive a school bus or, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, I got into theater and uh, I've been doing it for the last 26 years. And how do you end up joining the IATSE? The more you do theater, the more you see how the business works. And uh, I'd like to stress business because, you know, theater, everything that you're going to try and make a career out of is a business. And the, the strange thing about theater is that people love it so much that they'll do it for free. You know, I mean, you can go down to any community theater or a community playhouse and you got people just coming out of the woodwork. They, they're, they're so passionate, you know, they, they want to be a part of this thing. What are you doing out here? How can I do it too? You know, this looks like fun. And they're right. It is fun. It's a ton of fun. 
But when you decide that you want to do it for the rest of your life, you got to figure out how you're going to make an actual career out of it. And so you you look to the people that have been successful doing that. And a lot of those people are IATSE members. Um, and the more that I got talking to the professionals in the field and asking them, you know, how do I do this? Where do I go when I get out of school? You know, uh, what are the opportunities? Joining the IA just made a lot of sense. Uh, so I had the opportunity when I was in North Carolina to uh, work on some professional productions that were going through the the Stevens Center, which is the the, the professional semi professional uh, uh, large theater downtown there that works in conjunction with North Carolina School of the Arts, and that was an IATSE uh, playhouse. They had a contract with the IA with the local down in Winston Salem. So uh, I actually joined down there in my uh, I guess my second year of school. Did that for a couple of years, and then graduated from school and had to get out into the real world uh, it just translated beautifully into uh, coming back up to new york and staying with it so so yeah i got kind of my feet wet down in north carolina and it, it blossomed a lot more uh, getting up into new york for those who work internationally and live internationally people may not necessarily understand how eartsy fits into um, you know, whether it sits with some theatres or it doesn't with others and then what you get as a member. So what, what does the ERC sure. do for you as a member so that we understand how the union works? Well, to look at my particular uh, uh, case as an example, I guess, I'm in a, a local. So uh, IATSE is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. And we have about 150,000 members, give or take. We're a growing institution. Uh, and we we cover entertainment professionals in, in live and broadcast theater, uh, box office, ticket sellers, uh, et cetera, et cetera, video game programmers and designers, uh, directors for the United States and Canada. That's that's kind of our, our jurisdiction as the international. And then we're broken up into locals. So there's, I think, 355 different locals, which all operate in their own little territory. So... Uh, my local is Local 311, and we operate just north of New York City in the Hudson Valley area. So you may not be familiar with New York, but the, the counties that we operate in, if you wanted to look it up, are Ulster, uh, Orange, Dutchess, Putnam, all pretty much sandwiched between Albany to the north and New York City to the south. Um, and then... Um, East and West, uh, we don't have to get into too much. <laughs> but So so there's our, there, our ge uh, geographical jurisdiction. And um, the shop that I work for is, uh, was, is an IATSE shop because we have uh, an agreement, uh, a contract with that shop, which dictates the working conditions that our members, their employees work under. So um, years and years ago, uh, way before I got there, uh, a contract was signed between PRG and Local 311 uh, to provide labor. And it, you know, it sets out the terms under which that labor is going to work, uh, what the wages are going to be, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so I work under that collective bargaining agreement. And it's an agreement between our membership uh, and the employer on how all the nitty gritty details are going to work. So I'm, I'm very lucky to do that. Uh, it, it takes a lot, of, uh, a lot of the guesswork out of the situation for them as far as uh, what employees are going to cost. How, how are individual terms going to be set? Because they don't have to worry about that. They, they have an agreement which covers everybody 
in the shop, you know, that, that works under that agreement. So everybody's kind of, you know, playing ball under the same rules. And for the employees, it, it provides the same thing. They know what their day is going to look like. They know what their wages are going to be. They know what the break schedule is going to be. They, they know what they can expect when they go and put in a hard day of work, what they can get out of the employer. And sorry, for those who are not you're obviously in a full-time job, uh, the people are still a member but work freelance, and how does that work? Oh, yeah, great question. Shop work is, is one subset. Much more common throughout the, the country would be uh, agreements that you have with, let's say, a theater. So if I still lived in Rochester, New York, uh, and I... There's an auditorium playhouse there in Rochester that has an IA agreement for the customers and the wardrobe uh, folks. So uh, when a big show comes into the auditorium theater and they need customers and wardrobe-minded uh, people, they can call up the, the, the local there and say, hey, we got cats coming through. You know, I need X amount of people. They got to have these skills. And then the, the business representative or the business agent from that local figures out who they have available, uh, makes the phone calls, and can match the need of the employer with the availability of the employees that are that are in the local. Um, and so, you know, if I was in that local, I, I'd get a call and I'd say, hey, Chad, there's a show coming in. These are the dates. You know, are you interested? And I'd say, heck yeah, I love cats. I love to dress people up like cats. Sign me up. You know, here we go. And then nobody has to worry about what it's going to be like when they get there. The employer knows that they're going to have well-trained, skilled craftsmen coming to them to get the job done. And those skilled craftsmen working under the IA contract know what to expect when they walk into that place. It's, you know, takes all the fear of the unknown out of it, which is, which is really nice. And how does the local make sure that the people that have the membership have the training and the skill set that is needed for a specific show? So through our application process, uh, we make lots of opportunity to get to know our members because our organization is run by the members you know we we don't really have like a top-down approach the, the members dictate everything that goes on in our organization so so it's really important that we have good relationship and open communication with those folks so as soon as they come in and express interest in working with us we'll make sure that we're able to pair them on jobs um, with older veteran, more seasoned members so that we can kind of see how they're doing, what their skill sets are, what they're comfortable doing, what they're not comfortable doing. Um, we also have application interviews. So we're able to, to talk with them back and forth in a real informal setting. Say, you know, what have you done? What do you like to do uh, to get a sense of, you know, the, the scale of the productions that they've been involved in and more specific uh, skills or crafts that they, they might be best paired with. So it's really, it's kind of a combination of them telling us what they can do and then us verifying that they can actually do what they say they can't do. I'm sure we'll get into other things too, but we're always trying to push people in new directions too. People might like costuming one day and they might like scene painting the next day and say, I'd really like to try that out. So we like, you know, we always try and provide opportunities for people to, to shift laterally or, or try different things. And, and if they're successful at it, then we'll be successful at it too. This might be a really difficult question to answer, and maybe you can't answer it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you know then how many, like what percentage of uh, project shows theatres in America work with the union versus those that don't? Is is there statistics on that? 
Hmm. I, I'm sure that there are. I, I don't know them off the top of my head. The bigger you are, the more likely you are to be involved with the IA. If you're a small theater, you know, uh, or a small touring production, or you only have to deal with a handful of folks, then it's a lot easier to to exist and not have to uh, benefit from what the IA can offer. But once things get really huge, then you really only have a couple options. It just becomes a nightmare finding hundreds of people on a moment's notice that are skilled and can come in and do your show and then are happy to walk away at the end of it and there's no hard feelings, you know? Most people go, well, what? I, I, where's my job? You know, <laughs> when are you going to call me back? Not for months? Wait, I can't live like this. So, so you're stuck with two options, you know? You're, you're either stuck with the IA, which has thousands of people that operate that way and are used to it and are, are happy to come in, work for the weekend, and then go find work somewhere else for the next weekend. Uh, that's what they signed up for, you know, that that's the life. Or you end up going through a labor broker and, you know, labor brokers uh, essentially do the same thing that the IA does, but they make money off of it, which oh, just, just it breaks my heart. You know, um, that there should be some middleman off there who's who's profiting off of simply the fact that they're they're literally like just connecting you with somebody that needs your services so we can keep costs down because we don't make money off of our employees you know we don't make money off of our members and so when we put that bottom dollar line up to the employer uh, even though we can offer a lot more to our members uh, their costs generally remain comparable or, or even lower sometimes than, than some of the labor brokers out there and guaranteed through the ia you're going to get better people who are happier to be there because they're better taken care of can you talk about the members, the memberships, what it takes to enroll, and what are the benefits that it that the the union provides. Uh, you've you've gone a little bit through that, but maybe a little bit more like, oh, so let's say I want to sign up, try to convince me to sign up, kind of deal. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I'd say, hey, Anna, you know, what, what are you doing? Uh, you, you're working on this show. You seem to really like it. You got some skills. Uh, is this a just a thing you want to do? You know, is this thing you're you're gonna try and do long term? And if the case was yes, I'd say yes for sure. I love it here. Yeah. Well, we can uh, we can get you set up in something that can make this turn into a a career. If this is something that you want to do for a career, you know, I mean, we we were just here making make maybe a couple hundred bucks today, but you know, you're a young woman. You got your whole rest of your rest of your life ahead of you, and if you want to turn this into something that you can do for the rest of your life, then, well, you're going to need health care. You're going to need probably something to retire on someday. You know, you're going to want to know that you can come home at the end of the night and, and sleep. You're going to want to know what your uh, what your weekends are like and, and what your vacation days are like. Uh, and if somebody uh, asks you to, you know, work a 36-hour shift through Memorial Day, It'd be nice to know that you're taken care of for that. And hey, I got this organization over here called the IATSC that helps everybody come together and make sure that some of those things are, you know, are, are addressed so that you can make a career out of this this whole venture. But the first thing I would do is I'd say, come to work for us again. Come meet some of our other people that work in the crafts that you like to do and talk to them about what their experience is in the IA. 
And if you think that this is something you might be interested in, then here's our application process. And our application process in Local 311 is super simple. You write a letter to our financial secretary or, or anybody on the board that simply says, hey, I'm interested in IATSC Local 311, shoot me an application. And then we send you an application. Uh, fill it out, say, okay, this person looks interesting. Anybody know this person or all, at all? And regardless of whether we know you or not, we'll generally bring you in for an interview where you'll sit down with the executive board and, you know, like we talked before, we'll say, hey, what's going on? You know, we've seen you, we know you. How are you doing? What do you like to do? Uh, figure out a little bit more about you. And then we'll bring that application and our interview for the executive board to the membership at our next membership meeting. Say, hey, there's this girl, Anna. I just worked with her down at the paper mill playhouse. You know, she was great, super excited to be there. Looks like she wants to do this more often. We interviewed her. This is the results of the interview. This is what the executive board thought. Has anybody else worked there? Anybody know this girl? And then anybody from our membership has an opportunity to say, oh, yeah, I worked with Anna. She was great. You know, we, we had this, this, this problem with the hair dye and, and she knew just the right chemical to clean it up and all the procedures and processes. And, or, or maybe somebody will say, eh, I don't know. You know. She wasn't really all that excited or interested and uh, I don't really know about her. And so we can decide what to do with that. Well, if people aren't excited about it, then maybe there needs to be more of an opportunity for you to, to work with us um, and to see how we work and for us to um, instill some of our values in you. And to say, if you're going to be a part of this organization, this is what you're going to need to do. This is how we operate and what we expect. And, and if it's a right fit, then uh, I'll tell you, we're an organization that wants everybody to be a part of our team. You know, we want everybody under the umbrella, whether you're working two days a year doing theater or 200 days a year doing theater, regardless of what your situation is. We think that your life is going to be better by working as a group with, with us, all here together as a team in a cohesive unit, than trying to freelance around and make your own deal here and there. So, so we, we want to bring everybody in. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high-quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia-Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N-floors.com. It's a great mission and, I, like, um, it's it's so important, especially when we, I think people coming out of the pandemic realise how much work-life balance and structure and organisation sits within our industry because uh, it's really important that, you know, also that you prepare for retirement and, you know, I freelance for the first 10 years of my career and, 
and I didn't think about any of all of that stuff. And I and and some people never do, but we I had to turn and start to take care of all of those things. I think it's interesting too because from an international perspective, I know people who have to tour to America. They're like, oh, I've got to deal with the unions, you know, when we get to America. And there's that perception from globally when you go into America, you have to deal with the unions. But on the flip side, we've spoken with uh, people who work in the concert touring industry in America and I cannot believe I the brutal conditions in which they are placed to um, tour shows around the country and the world in terms of the crew hours and, and all of that kind of and the lack of protection, I guess, for them in that industry is really almost to the point of criminal, I'd say, because I just can't believe that people have to work in those. And I've I've been in, I've done long hours as well in the industry as you, as we all have. But to see, especially in the concert industry, how how tough that was, I was completely blown away by that. So I think it's amazing for somebody to, or, or for an institution to to protect its workers and and you know provide talent for people in terms of certain um, disciplines and things like that, and therefore. It's just for us over this side of the world to try and form something like that. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the history of how it came together, if you do know it? Because say if we're on this side of the world, we say we really need this. Where's, where do you start? How do you begin? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a big monumental undertaking, right? You know, it's like trying to climb a, a, a wall that's five miles high. Like where do you, where do you start? I'm so glad that you brought up uh, safety uh, because safety, education, training is so important to the IA. If you're going to make a career out of this, then you got to live long enough to make a career out of it. You know, and people die. People die in this industry. It, it, it's it's crazy. You know, we're out here supporting people that are singing and dancing on stage. You know, we're out here just supporting theme parks and and, and video game makers and movie sets and uh, people on on stage uh, doing dramatic works. And every year, people die doing this. And it should shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't have to be that way. And the only way that you're going to change it, the only way you're going to prevent accidents uh, of any kind is by awareness that these accidents can occur and, and make sure that everybody's on the same page about how to prevent these accidents from occurring. And then most importantly is making sure that you have the personnel in place that know how to deal with those situations to make sure that the accidents don't occur. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, well, we should be careful on that ladder. But it's another thing to say, well, then this ladder needs to be positioned in this way on this level ground. Somebody's going to hold it. This other guy is not going to go up higher than that step that you're not supposed to go up higher than so that nobody has an accident. So anyway, uh, not to get off topic, we got started in, 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 in America with it back in 1887, I want to say, was when the IA was formed. Um, and theater professionals from 11 different cities got together to talk about working conditions and safety because it, it was the Wild West at that point. You know, Sh Chicago operated the way Chicago operated and New York operated the way New York operated and tours operated the way tours operated. And they were all driven by producers who wanted to make the absolute most money that they possibly could. And because people love theater, they would 
they would go in and they would endure long hours, uh, dangerous environments, uh, not knowing, you know, uh, what was going to happen next on their on their tour. I mean, th- th- there, there's recorded instances of people being on tour and going around country, and then for whatever reason, that touring company folds and goes out of business, and their whole cast and crew is in like Wichita, Kansas, or something. And there they are. And the production company just, just leaves. And, and there they are in Wichita, Kansas. Like, hope you got a train ticket because in 1887, that's about the only way you're going back up to Chicago. And if you didn't, you were stuck there. So nobody cared about the backstage personnel. Nobody even cared about the performers unless you were super rich and famous because they were a dime a dozen. They could get anybody to jump on the bandwagon and go out and do it all over again. And they would just hire a whole new cast and crew. So finally, the professionals who were working in these 11 different major U.S. cities said, this is crazy. We're not doing this anymore. They all got together in New York and they formed a union. And God bless them. They were strong enough players in the community, skilled enough at what they did in their areas that once they banded together and they said, you're going to have to negotiate with us over the terms of how we're going to do this going forward that the big theater producers had to stand up and take notice. And the big tours couldn't get along without them. And so when they formed this union and they went back to the producers and they said, hey, we we want this to continue. You know, I want to go back out on tour. I want to do this next show on, on Broadway. But this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it safely. We're going to do it with hours that we can you know, all live under. And we're going to do it with wages that I can live on. You know. I got to be able to see my family and I got to be able to support my family. So, so that's how the ball got rolling. It evolves as all things evolve, things evolve from there. Um, and you, you just try and keep as many people engaged in the process as you can. Luckily we've been very successful at it. You know, I mean, unions have been cresting and, and falling and cresting and falling in America since the union started in America, but the trajectory of the IA for for better or for worse, has been climbing really since its inception. uh, To say that between four years ago and and today, the enrollment of the IA has increased by 15% in the climate that unions are in in America right now is, it's incredible. We got people who are are really seeing um, the benefit of of being a part of the organization and not going through labor brokers because it improves their quality of life. So in terms of like how to start this and somewhere else in the world, man, uh, I'm not sure that I'd be the best person to to ask, but uh, to have the desire to do it is the biggest thing. You know, I don't know how unions work really anywhere else other than America. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to, the consensus is there's got to be enough people that need to come together to create, to force the hand of some of the, you know, the industry in it, in itself, right? So I think that's really, yeah. and obviously uh, Anna makes a good point, assuming that that would be allowed to be done in certain parts of the world, which I live in Asia, that would probably not be allowed where I am to go start <laughs> yeah, a union. Yeah. I don't think you the might government find a would be very happy too. with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've lived yeah. in countries yeah. where it's illegal to form a union or be a member of a union. Yeah, but but any time that you're coming together as a group, I mean, you, you are a union, whether whether you are officially recognized or not. You know, I don't care where you are in the world. If if everybody from the props department says, 
we, we got to stop using this prop in this way because it keeps lighting the actor on fire and, you know, management doesn't seem to care. They just keep bringing more actors in, but we really feel bad that we're setting this actor on fire every night. Well, if, if you all come together and say, we're not doing it anymore and management pays attention, then guess what? You just formed a union. You just made change occur, you know? Yeah. And, and at yeah, the end yeah. of the day, you're on the same page and they're on the same page and the actor isn't getting let on fire anymore and everybody's happy. You know, but it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened unless uh, people came together and said, "This isn't right. We're not gonna. We're not gonna take these conditions. This isn't. This isn't right." You know, we can still get your show done. We just got to do it in a slightly different way. Which, seriously, believe us, it'll be better for everybody in the end. You know? you you're so right, and I really like that. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, there, there's possibility for change and and community in in support of something, especially when you talk about safety, right? So, without having a formal union and a membership and everything like that, but there there is a certain power for people who are in the trenches working to control conditions if they work as a team, and so. That's really, really important to remember, I think, uh, especially in the projects that say we work on this side of the world, that we don't have to be, we don't have to sit there and, and, and put ourselves in safe and unsafe environments. And I, I'm, I'm with you, Chad. I think one of the, the biggest thing for me in, in our industry is safety. You know, I mean, look at just what happened on the set um, of the movie Rust with, you know, Alec Baldwin and um, oh, that's, that's only one of many of the situations that we know internally of things that have happened in the industry. And it's just unacceptable to put people in situations where that might happen. So it's really important that it's, it's monitored. I, and, I, and just, just, but, sorry, like in, in that specific example, you know, I mean, there, there was an IA crew on that set, um, but there was issues with the IA crew and some of the, if, if, I, if I understand things right, some of the, um, the camera operators actually walked off and had to be replaced with non-union folks because they were concerned about the safety conditions around this that were happening on that set in the, in the weeks and months prior. To be able to get rid of people and then just replace them with other people doesn't solve the issue. You know, the, the, the issues that those people were concerned about were never addressed. And those those folks that, that walked off that set, they wanted to work. They wanted to be there. They wanted to get the job done. They wanted to support the production, but they weren't being, their voices weren't being heard. They were being ignored. And in a, in a good, healthy union employer situation, it doesn't get to that. And we provide a lot of opportunities for it to get resolved in a non-confrontational way because, um, you know, we do. We don't want to be at odds with our employers. If our employers aren't doing well, then we're not doing well. You know, we don't have jobs if our, if we make things so difficult that you know we can't get the job done. So uh, having methods in place for open communication to happen in a non-confrontational way, such as using shop stewards um, and business agents, where employees don't have to speak with management directly. You know, there's a there, there's a third path that can kind of take some of the edge off of tense situations and bring the temperature of the room down um, and can not only get things done, but promotes communication by the employees and promotes communication from the employers. Because if they have an issue with their employees, they can do the same thing. Uh, follow the, the path back down through the shop steward and through the business agent and say, I'm having you know an issue with XYZ department or an issue with XYZ employee. 
Um, and it doesn't have to get confrontational. It can all be resolved and then everybody walks away happy and safe, you know, but you can't do that without communication and comfortability. And you have to be heard, right? I think that's some of the reason that people need to walk off is because it's the only way to make that statement, you know, to to to, to highlight if it's not, if you've, most people, like you said, do take it up the chain to comment on it, not want to lose their job, whatever, but there's a point where, okay, it, I can't do anything else but walk away to to make you notice that this is a big issue for us as a, as a group or as a team. And I, I have actually done that myself. I've walked away from a show call and refused to let my team call the show because of safety issues. And so, and it's a terrible position to be in and you never want to put, you never want to be put in a situation when it, when you put in a situation where you have to walk off something, then it's already gone too far, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, you yeah. know this is you know the systemic problems in in the in the company infrastructure when um, your issues haven't been addressed that you have to be forced to do that, which is yeah, yeah it is what it is. Yeah, um, I mean you're I admitting have, failure at that point, but nobody yeah. nobody wants to, but it's better than better than an accident. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted to add that I'm pretty sure that according to OSHA, there is a American Safety and Health association organization uh there is a protocol to walk to have that conversation and then walk off when the conditions are not safe enough to perform your job so you are backed up by the law if you need to walk away from a job situation oh i didn't know that i'd like to read that no that uh, that's great everyone should have the opportunity yeah we've got a note here we've got a note here about O and P visas. Anna, do you want to ask that question? Because I'm interested in the context of that one. Well, I'm yeah. not sure if Chad knows, so I, I gave him a heads up, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, that isn't something that I've had to, to deal with myself personally, um, but I know that the international does, uh, does deal with the, um, the recommendation letters uh, and stuff that goes around O and P visas. So my, my best... Uh, suggestion on getting more information about that without overstepping my small amount of, of knowledge about it is to check out iatse.net backslash visas v-i-s-a-s and there they go into uh, much better detail than i could about the process of uh, requesting and applying for an o1 an o2 a p1s and a P3S visa, I guess. Uh, and those are the, the, the four specific uh, ones that they call out that, that they deal with. I couldn't tell you what either of them are or the differences between them, but there's a, there's a couple pages on, on the website that go through what information you'll need to provide um, and, and who to contact uh, to get the ball rolling on those. But that's amazing. So essentially... Um, there is opportunity and pathway for for people to become members and 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 come and work in America through that through the IA. So is that correct? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, theater is such a it's a unique industry. Obviously, you're not just going to go down the street and find the perfect designer for your show. You know, uh, sometimes the perfect designer for your show is going to be anywhere else in the world. Sometimes the perfect technician for your show is going to be anywhere else in the world. 
maybe the perfect product that you want to use for your show is only offered in that one you know special section of england which, which has happened to us before and we had to fly a whole crew over and it was very you know very secretive put the tent up around them and nobody can see what they're doing but we needed that treatment we needed that effect in that show um and that was the only way to get it so uh yeah ha having international folks come in it's all about the art you know if we're if we're promoting the art and getting the art done uh then it keeps the industry going you know keeps us going what kind of trainings that does the ia provide no, we were talking about safety uh, i imagine that's a big one we briefly touched on um, some sort of apprenticeship situation that you were talking to pair them with someone else so they can learn uh what kind of If if I were to take you on your offer of joining the the IATC, <laughs> what kind of trainings and like career development for the people for the members? So uh, there's two different things that I would direct you to. I guess the international itself has its own training program. Uh, it's actually called the the TTF or the Training Trust Fund. And if you go to iatse.ttf, uh, you can find out all the different programs that they have available. And so the Training Trust Fund does a couple things. They provide training and safety programs for anyone who's interested uh, through through video and webinars and just videos that you can just download and watch or watch off the website. Uh, and that covers just an incredibly broad spectrum of, uh, of crafts and, uh, and Know, talents and techniques, um, things that are very specific to the shop. Like I could go on there and find out about how welding gas safety and how to you know, use welding gas safely, which is, is very applicable to what I do. But you wouldn't necessarily think, you know, falls into like a, a theater type thing. Um, but it, it runs the gambit. So they have things through such as that that they have on the website. Uh, and then the Training Trust Fund also supports local training and safety development. So Local 311, we have our own education and safety committee, which uh, offers its own programs. So like we offer OSHA 10 training uh, once a year. We offer aerial work platform. Uh, they call them now MEWP, Mobile Elevated Work Platform Training, which is your genie lifts and your scissor lifts. Uh, we offer uh, telehandler and forklift training. So that would be your lulls and your material handlers and your pallet jacks and stuff like that, forklifts. We, we've had we've had rigging classes before, uh, partnering up with, with uh, SUNY New Paltz, uh, so some for our members and some for their students. Um, and then we do outreach and stuff too. So the Training Trust Fund supports us in doing that uh, monetarily, which is great. If we put on a program and we can show that we successfully you know, ran our members through it and they got their their certificates of completion, um, then they back us up with uh, with some dollars to, to help us continue those programs. As far as specific career training, Local 311 does that mostly just through opportunity and on-the-job training, to tell you the truth. Um, there are programs through the IA where you can take some classes and they'll reimburse you for some craft-specific classes that may be offered, uh, whether it's through a school or, or another local. So they'll support you financially that way a little bit. But most of our members, when they want to cross departments or, you know, if I'm an electrician and I'm looking over at the audio guy and going, oh, man, that looks kind of cool. Uh, you pretty much just have to talk to us and say, hey, the next time you got an audio gig, you know, pair me, pair me with Dave because I saw what Dave was doing and he's really good. And I want to see a little bit more about how that works. Um, and we let you work into it. So 
it's always nice to be able to, you know, train yourself on something and, and make some money while you're doing it. Mm. When it, when an entity comes to hire an, an IA member and I, they've got to obviously follow the, the rules and the structure of what uh, the IA union says the terms are of employment, but is there still room for contract negotiation and does the IA support that individual in, in that contract negotiation? Uh, yeah, definitely. So like we're, we're an institution that wants to support our members and wants to allow them to be as successful as they can possibly be. So the, the contracts that we negotiate are always minimums. This is always the floor, you know, as far as when an employer comes in and reads it, we let them know this is the, this is the least that you can possibly do. If you want to, if if you, if you really love Judy over there and you think that she's worth an extra couple of bucks an hour, by all means, go for it. You know, if, if Judy goes to that employer and says, you know, I, I, I think I'm worth, you know, some mileage here, you know, I'm, I'm driving 200 miles to get here because I really, really love this project, but it's just killing me. And I know nobody else is getting mileage, but um, if you want me to stick around and not be replaced by somebody else, I, I really am going to need a little bit of something else. They're completely free to do that. Uh, and if an employer wants to, you know, compensate somebody more for whatever reason, have at it. In the same way as that, we want to make it as easy for employers to have the employees that they're comfortable with and that they want. So if we are approached by an employer and say, hey, we need we need 40, 40 workers for this gig that's coming up. And uh, hey, is Anna available? Because she was great last time and we would love to have her you know, do whatever she did last time. Say, yep, hey, if Anna's available and she wants to do it, she she's your girl you know um so yeah we we definitely try and make things as, as easy for everybody you know um we have to make sure that all of our members are, are getting employment we have to make sure that we're not passing up you know people who um who need employment but uh but as long as it doesn't cross any barriers then we'll be as flexible as we can be so been any specific rep- response during covid 19 19 whether it's uh, safety or labor labor conditions through the the IA yeah man I mean COVID-19 was I, mean, I don't have to tell you guys like it was scary for everybody in our industry like we were we were knocked out you know we had we went from pretty much full employment to zero employment like overnight the good thing that came out of that was we were really able to work with our employers and uh, I got to give a big hand to the motion picture and television department uh, for really spearheading this because motion pictures and television out of everybody, they did not want to stop. They wanted to keep going. We have to keep creating content. Uh, So how do you do that in in a pandemic? How do you address everybody's individual concerns and how do we do this safely? You know, how do we even bring people back? Because you not only have to keep the technicians safe, you got to keep the actors safe. You know, you got some, some probably big personalities that are all trying to, to make decisions and, and have their voice heard in that. Uh, the IA really provided the employers with a, uh, a sense of security because we were able to come up with reopening protocols and safety guidelines that, that followed the science, um, made sense, uh, could be implemented at the time. And when the employers saw these safe reopening guidelines that were worked on, they were more than happy to, to adopt them in most cases. 
because it took a lot of the risk out of their hands. You know, they didn't have to take responsibility for their own reopening protocols and then have to figure out how the employees were going to react to that at that point. We kind of did the hard work for them and said, listen, as long as you follow these guidelines, we're comfortable doing this. You should be comfortable doing this. And obviously there was some back and forth and, you know, well, can we implement this in a different way or these hours or whatever, you know, it worked with the production companies very closely, but it just took a lot of the uncertainty and guesswork out of it. And, and once everybody read over it and agreed to it, then it was almost like a big sigh of relief. Like, okay, now we all know what we got to do to do this safely and to move forward. Um, and you know, I, I got to hand it to the employers as well because they've been really good about modifying these uh, safety protocols if things have changed. And you know, obviously, yesterday is is not tomorrow, but uh, it put us in a really good spot. Uh, it, it let productions reopen a lot sooner than I think they would have otherwise, and it actually brought a lot of productions who were not involved with using the IA to the IA because we were the only ones that that, that had that plan in place. So yeah, it created a, a good opportunity for us uh, rather than being a butting heads type situation. It was a, a good opportunity for everybody to come together and kind of figure it out. That's awesome. So tell us, uh, we always finish up on a, the sort of similar questions because it comes very interesting answers from people across the globe. What's the fav- your most favorite thing about your job? Oh God, my job as local president uh, is is the people and the members. We really are like we're one big happy family, and we might be as dysfunctional as the next family sometimes, but uh, we are a family. You know, we, we know each other. We've worked with each other for a long time. Uh, finally, getting back after this whole COVID pandemic thing and seeing people out on gigs, like people are just giddy. You know, they're they're just giggling. They 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 can't even imagine. Oh, it's you again, and and to have that kind of a reaction when you're at work, you know, like where else do you get that? No, being able to get to know all of, you know, we have 200 something members and some I know better than others, but we all have a passion for theater. We all want to go in and get the job done. We're all by and large professional, respectful, responsible individuals who, who go in knowing what we have to do, able to do it. And because of that, we can have a good time doing it, you know, and it doesn't have to be a stressful situation. And, you know, we all know theater can be a really stressful situation. Taking as much of that out as you can and just letting people be people, you know, allowing them to excel at what they want to and seeing people grow. I don't know. That, that's my favorite part of the whole thing is, is the members and seeing what the members can do. I'm curious to hear what's your favorite thing about being a cynic fabricator. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing about building stuff is uh well i don't know the start to end building you know i mean you you're, you're given a drawing you go okay somebody had some crazy idea i guess that's what they want uh, and then you put it together and at the end you look at it and you go oh man that idea was great this thing looks awesome the only thing that i miss about that is uh, i don't always get to get out to the theater and the show that it's in to see how it's being used and how the audience perceives what it is that I've created. You know, I mean, we make some really neat stuff at the shop, but when you get it on stage and it's lit correctly and the actors are using it correctly and it's moving the way that they want it to move, uh, it's a whole other animal. So yeah, I I just love building and creating and, and being a part of that. Somebody told me once, yeah, God made a world in six days. Uh, we've had to do it in five before. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's totally that's totally theatrical. Uh, we're always going to de- deliver to a deadline. That's it. <laughs> no matter what <laughs> yeah. that deadline is, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, in what other industry do they sell tickets to a show that hasn't been built, cast, staged, or you know, <laughs> they don't even know where they're going to have the darn show? They're selling tickets. Nothing like an uncompromising deadline, like an opening night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, And if there was one thing that you could change about the industry or your job or even the union, do you have something that comes to mind? Yeah, uh, the union especially. I think that the perception is starting to come around in America a little bit after, after so many years, but the perception of unions is, it hasn't been great. You know, um, I don't think that we're unions in general are seen as um, the uplifting force that we've been over over the last over a century now. You know, I think people see a a guy standing on a shovel on the side of the road and go union, you know, uh, why isn't that guy working? Unions are union members are lazy and they're inefficient and they they hide behind their contracts and you know they're untouchable and they think they're so important and that's not my experience in unions you know i mean my members we we show up on time and we're ready to go and we, we we work hard to get the production done we work hard to make sure that the production is successful that the producers make a lot of money off the production i mean we're never happier as uh when something is successful and we know that we're going to get to do it again down the road. The only thing that we want is to be treated by, you know, be treated like human beings throughout the process, which shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. So I, I wish people could see how we really operate you know, and what we really care about. Uh, Cause I, I think their perceptions of at least the IATSE would, would change dramatically. So if people want to know more about, uh, the IATSE or Local 311, or if they have questions, would you be okay for someone to reach out to you and say, hey, I have a question? Absolutely. Man, uh, uh, well, I'll start with my email address then. Um, I'm L-O-C-A-L 311philips at gmail.com. And Phillips has two L's. So L-O-C-A-L 311-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S at gmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of me. I'm Chad. Um, if you want to just have general information about the IA and how the international works, you can go to iatse.net, and that's the general webpage of the international. They will tons and tons of information about who we are, how we operate, what the various jurisdictions are, how we're broken into, all of our different crafts and departments, all of the different you know, education stuff that we do. Uh, and also on IATSE.net, you can find a listing of all the locals and the jurisdictions. So if you wanted to get a hold of somebody that was in your area, go onto that website, look up local in your area, and you can find out who's operating in your backyard and how to get a hold of those folks because their contact information is on there as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chad, for joining us today on Theatre Out Life. And I think that you are a wonderful advocate for the union. So I do hope that your uh, the uh, perception of that is continuing to evolve it for the better um, for you and the community over there. And, um, and all the best for the rest of the year. All right. Onwards and upwards. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Theatre Out Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only $38 US per year. 
you can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.